Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Welcome back. It's 11.31 on the Talking Point. I'm Khumoto Keiji I'm in for Kathy Moshashana. Thanks to um, Postole there. So, uh, Gun Free South Africa says that it's calling for the running of the police's central firearms registry to be outsourced because it is a dysfunctional. One of the cases they're mentioning as an example is that of uh, former police officer Christian Prinslow, who was convicted of stealing firearms from the central registry and then selling them illegally. Um, they go on to question how many people were killed by those guns that were stolen from the registry. So Claire Taylor has been on the line waiting to talk to us. Claire is researcher at Gun Free South Africa. First, I have to apologize, uh, Claire, uh, <clears throat> for making you hold as long as you had to, but uh, uh, we had to get through that uh, NSFAS conversation. Good morning. So who currently is responsible for the Central Firearms Registry, and do we know how big it is? Um, morning, uh, KG. Um, so the police uh, are responsible for the management of the Central Firearms Registry. It's actually like a division or a unit that falls within the police, within the visible policing unit. Um, and it's located in Pretoria. Uh, and they have a range of police officials who, who are employed, uh, as well as admin staff, who are responsible for a range of functions, including licensing gun owners, as well as registering firearms. Um, and it's uh, governed by the Firearms Control Act, which was passed into law in 2000. Uh, and basically, from the get-go, they have have been problems with it. And, and basically, one of the biggest problems is that the police don't see the Central Firearms Registry as a crime-fighting tool. They see it as an administrative burden. Uh, and that needs to change if we're going to address gun violence in South Africa. And according to, your, to, to uh, the information that is at your disposal, do we know how many guns are registered in South Africa? But do we also have a perception or uh, an idea as to how many guns go around unlicensed in South Africa? Um, so there are about four and a half million licensed guns in South Africa, um, but that doesn't include the military. We don't have information on military guns. So this is police and civilian. And just to note that private security companies are counted as civilian gun owners. Um, so, so there's a high number of firearms in South Africa. But we also know that we have a huge pool of illegal guns and that the majority of the gun crime that's committed in South Africa is committed with illegal guns. Um, so we have, for example, 31 people are shot and killed every day in this country. And the majority of those deaths would be as a result of an illegal gun. But we know as well that most, if not all, illegal guns in this country were once legal um, before they were leaked into criminal hands. So you spoke about the case of Chris Prinsloo in your intro. And Chris Prinsloo was a, a senior cop who had access to firearms that were in storage in police stores awaiting destruction. And what he did is he removed those guns from the police's computer and then sold them onto criminals. Um, and so the Chris Prince case is a, is a good example in that it highlights two problems with the Central Firearms Registry. The first is that we can't trust the data that's in there. And secondly, that there's corruption. 
Yeah. And it's important that we trust the data so that we know who owns what gun in okay. South Africa. I, I wanted to to uh, get into the issue of uh, the degree of the dysfunctionality uh, that you're alleging is at the Central Firearms Registry. But as you talk about guns that are in storage, in my mind, I also ask myself, so what happens when they confiscate those guns? Uh, you know, do they get destroyed uh, or do they get re-registered into the system? How does it work? And I suppose it does get into uh, their assessment of uh, the dysfunctionality in its entirety. So when you say it's dysfunctional, entirely dysfunctional, what about it is entirely wrong? So there are a few problems uh, with it. One of the biggest is that there isn't an electronic database. So there isn't one system that has information on all guns and all gun owners in South Africa. And this is partly because the company that was appointed, uh, they were called Waymark Infotech, and they were appointed in 2004 to establish this electronic database. They didn't. 343 million rand later, that money was written off as fruitless and wasteful expenditure. So we don't have a database. And what that means is that there are basically two systems that are running. There's an electronic system because there's partially a functional electronic system, but there's also a manual system. So you have already an opportunity for gaps and problems. But in addition to that, there are two gun laws effectively in South Africa. There's the new Firearms Control Act, and so gun owners are, are licensed under that. Their guns are registered under that. But at the same time, the old gun law still hasn't been set aside. So there are still gun owners who are licensed under the Arms and Ammunition Act of 1969. And so effectively, you have four systems that are running at the moment. And that just creates opportunities for loopholes and gaps and problems um, and corruption. And so um, there has to be a focus on setting up a functional registry that records every single gun in this country and every single gun owner in this country. And so we we are very pleased to hear that there's been a new contract awarded to a, a new company called Providence Software Solutions. But we are concerned that there's absolutely no information been made available as to what this contract entails, how much this contract's going to cost, etc. And so we we need to be taken into the police's um, confidence, and we need to be updated on developments like this. And ideally what you're wanting is not even the company that's currently uh, 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 outsourced. You're wanting it to almost go into private hands uh, for the purposes of, uh, you, you know, better management. Am I understanding that correctly? So, no, we, we're not saying privatization is the answer. In fact, there are lots of concerns about privatizing the Central Firearms Registry, most notably that the emphasis of any private company is going to be on profit, not mm. community safety. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we looked at different countries who've outsourced their registries. Uh, and there some uh, have, in fact, very few have privatized and they haven't worked because the focus has been on, on profit. Um, and then we also looked at devolving uh, functions. So, for example, the Department of Home Affairs could maybe manage the registry. They already manage other registries. Uh, and there are problems with that, um, that option as well. But the most practical seems to be establishing an independent firearms licensing authority. So it's not part of the police 
but it reports to the police. And there are a number of countries that have done that. Jamaica, which isn't a great example and which South Africa could learn a lot from, um, in that the firearms licensing authority there has been racked with allegations of corruption and mismanagement, um, but we could learn from them. But for example, New Zealand has just set up an independent licensing authority after the mosque massacres that happened in 2019. Saying that, though, KG, the cost of the New Zealand um, registry is is a lot. Um, and so if we're going to be outlaying money, there has to be a commitment to accountability and transparency. Uh, on the flip side, Claire, Claire people who are gun owners, uh, you know, who own uh, licensed guns in South Africa, have you taken into consideration what they're saying uh, or, or, or how they view uh, the, the issue of the registry? Mm. So one of the things that we've noted that that leads to the dysfunction of the CFR is that it's just so unuser friendly and I mean it was interesting listening to your previous conversation about how difficult it is to get hold of um, officials involved to get the updates and that's that's extremely extraordinarily similar to the central firearms registry is gun owners are unable to get updates they're unable to uh, the turnaround times uh, take extraordinarily long there's a lack of accountability a lack of transparency um that basic Bartopele principles are not being adhered to. And so part of what we were doing was looking at ways to make the Central Firearms Registry functional for the very people who have to use it, who are gun owners and gun businesses, Um, and, and looking at other countries' experiences of that. Because we have to make it easy for people to comply with the law. Mm. Um, And at the moment it isn't. And, and so um, we, we did take into account concerns around service delivery and service provision from the Central Firearms Registry in looking at what alternatives there were. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that the police are there to uphold the law and to to deal with crime. They're not there to administer um, a Central Firearms Registry system. We think that's a problem Mm. in that the central firearms registry is in fact an important crime fighting tool but it can only be an effective crime fighting tool if if it's run effectively and the police have squandered numerous turnaround strategy opportunities uh, to establish a functional CFR and so we need to have a frank conversation about what options are there it's clear that the police cannot manage the CFR it needs to be outsourced there are three variations to outsourcing it. The most feasible seems to be an independent authority. So are you also able to assess uh, from where you are the levels of corruption that are in the system up to now, outside of just the Christian Prinsler example that I made earlier? Uh, because uh, you, we, we, uh, Christian Prinsler, I'm assuming, was convicted uh, and uh, he, uh, you know, he is hopefully serving time for the role that he played in stealing and selling uh, guns from the registry legally. So there have been a number of um, other cases involving officials at the Central Firearms Registry. I think the most ironic, I guess, was that a new head of the registry was appointed in 2012 uh, to deal with a range of inefficiencies there. Uh, And in fact, she was then found guilty of corruption two years later and was dismissed. 
Um, and, and she was colluding with a big uh, gun shop called Dave Shear Guns uh, to fast track gun licenses. Uh, and and that that incident actually involved twenty other um, officials at the CFR. Mm, mm. So that was a, a a big and important case. But subsequent to that, there've been other cases um, of of CFR officials being implicated in fraud and corruption. Um, and and we have a, an ongoing case at the moment, as we speak, where um, a, a gang leader has been implicated in the fast tracking of gun licenses involving private security companies. And it seems as though some CFR officials um, have been fingered in, in that fraud and corruption as well. So so I think what the point of the research report that, that was undertaken was to also highlight that the problems at the CFR are historic and they're systemic. Um, and and we need to address the system in and of itself rather than just um, taking one-off examples like the Christian Prince Lou or this particular recent case involving the gang mm-hmm. uh, gang leader. Um, is we have to have a longer view and recognize that these problems have have existed basically since the CFR was established. Mm. And so I think outsourcing is the most feasible option. Um, in terms of this. But saying that, I mean, I mentioned, you know, Jamaica is the country that has an independent firearms licensing authority. Mm-hmm. It was established uh, in 2006 because of rampant corruption by that country's police service in dealing with firearms. Ten years later, the firearms licensing authority itself is racked with allegations of corruption and mismanagement. And and so there's there was a big investigation exploring um, and investigating all these allegations of abuses of power and corruption. Um, and subsequent to that, Jamaica has just passed a new gun law to look at ways of addressing high levels of gun violence in that country, but also the functioning of that country's um, independent licensing authority. And so South Africa could learn a lot from Jamaica's experience in terms of what are some of the problems, what are some of the pitfalls, and how can they be addressed? And so the study that we did was really just an exploratory um, desktop um, study. Uh, it would have been very nice to go to Jamaica and, mm-hmm. um, and interview some people involved there. Mm. Um, but, but I think that that would be the next step is if we are going to set up an independent licensing authority, uh, that more work is done with countries like Jamaica. And, you know, Jamaica, like South Africa, is a member of the Commonwealth, uh, and there would be support at that level um, for for interventions to better manage South Africa's weapons and ammunition stocks. Okay. We, we have uh, some uh, questions and or comments from our listeners, Claire. I hope, I hope you have a pen on you uh, so that you can respo- respond uh, to them uh, when they're played. Here we go. IKG, Longa, Western Cape. Just regards to the um, gun register, I'm curious. So, as a as a crime fighting tool, the person that owns the firearm is registered and obviously has to qualify for his re- registration. My question is, do they then do ballistics on on a gun to see or make sure that it has its you know kind of finger, fingerprint? Because it doesn't make sense to me. If I've got a gun and I've concealed my gun and I've done something, uh, how are you going to identify that it was me? And what if another 10 people in my street have the same kind of gun? Anyway, I'm just curious as to how, how it's going to be used as a crime fighting tool. Thank you. How's KG and your guest? Look, 
we will never ever win this battle of illegal firearms. Our borders are uncontrollable. So these illegal firearms, they are coming across the borders. South Africa must tighten the border first, then we can talk about this illegal firearm. Otherwise, we are wasting our time. Number two, as a firearm owner, when I die, the children will never return that firearm. They will say, what do they do about those, those uh, kind of firearms? And our police, they are also careless whereby they drink carrying the firearms. And the, the mafias, they taking the firearms from them. It's Kosana Northern Island. Okay, uh, let me just uh, explain what Kosana was saying there. And Sisutu was saying uh, if uh, he, he is a gun owner and he passes, uh, the gun automatically gets uh, into his estate and is inherited by whoever it is that inherits uh, the estate, I suppose, without any uh, any sort of qualification, if you may, uh, for oh, for gun ownership purposes. Do you want to respond to those? Yeah, that's such great questions. Um, so Lunga's question about the uh, Central Firearms Registry being a crime-fighting tool um, and, and asking how, how is that possible? So in terms of the ballistic testing of guns, at the moment, um, civilian guns are not ballistically tested, but there is an amendment to the Firearms Control Act that proposes ballistically testing guns. And so that would create a registrar or, or a register of, of information. But where it becomes a crime-fighting tool is that it allows the police to know who owns guns, what guns they own, and for what purpose. It also keeps a record, for example, of any, say, uh, uh, domestic violence incidents. So there would be a record. Um, and because those licenses have to be regularly renewed, the information on the registry is regularly updated. What that means as well is that if a gun owner, um, for example, loses a gun, that they are then incentivized to report it to the police because they know that when the renewal comes up, they'll be found out that they mm. haven't in mm. fact yeah. theft. So it allows the police to then know how many illegal guns there are as well as licensed guns in a society. And so, for example, if they get called out to um, an incident, they're aware that there's a gun on that premises, yeah. et cetera. So in that sense, it's a crime-fighting uh, tool, but the ballistics testing, and that's certainly where a lot of countries are moving, is is where South Africa is hoping to go. Yeah. Um, um, Claire, had some, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I've so completely run out of time, uh, but I, I uh, want to find out if there's a way that people can get in touch with uh, uh, Gun Free South Africa for the purposes of reading that research that you did, uh, however desktop it may be. I think it might be an important tool, particularly for people who own guns. Yes, so it's available on our website, which is um, GFSA for gunfreesouthafrica.org.za. And it's there under research, and you can, and there's a press statement as well, which summarizes the key points from it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Claire Taylor, researcher at Gunfree South Africa.